Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about the crop progress report, see where all our crops are, not only here in Wisconsin, but across the nation. In our spotlight, we'll look at a new film coming out, highlighting the dangers of grain bin entrapment. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the history of the silo. We'll wrap things up with some cool beans, that's corny, and some current events. So with me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And just little old me, Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we are riding a two-man show today. Yeah, skeleton crew here today. But that's all right. We'll still get her done. Hey, the house doesn't fall and the bones are good. <laughs> Thank you, Kelsey Ballerini. Or you no, got it. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Nailed it. I think that's right anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, brewers are... Heading in the right direction. They won three of the last four. Yeah, the, they're winning the division. They're just, they just kind of suck at the same time. <laughs> yeah. They're hard to watch, but they're winning the division. They're half game, maybe a full game lead now, but they were a half game lead at the time that uh, this was put in the dock. But okay. I, believe they're, I believe they're a full game lead after last night. Yeah, it's, it's always hard when, you, when you're this... This stage of the game, I mean, we're getting close to the All-Star break, so things should start to kind of shape up across the league once we get through that, and you hope they can keep it going through the, the, the latter half of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals and the Brewers are pretty well in front of everybody else. I mean, Cardinals are half the game back from the Brewers, and then the next team, the Pirates, are 13 games back. So um, it's pretty clear who's who's good in the division, but... I, like I said, the Brewers, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't feel like a really good team. Yeah. They, they feel like no. they're kind of bad. Yeah, they can <clears throat> they can win, but it's a, almost always ugly. They haven't really shown the ability to just kind of take control of games and hold commanding leads. It's just, yeah. <clears throat> Even watching them last night, I just think they don't, I feel like they don't battle at the plate very well, and they make, stupid throws and I don't know they're just kind of they're not that good but they're leading the division and maybe after the all-star break get some guys healthy figure some things out uh, get that pitching staff back in order and should be all right maybe we'll trade for somebody yeah you never know something something might change bring a bat in bring a bat in and be good but the the other team in Milwaukee though yeah Bucks their draft of Marjan Beauchamp yeah. I mean, you're picking pretty late when you're the Bucks. Uh He drew a lot of comparisons to Giannis, though. So, I guess I like that. Yeah. Long, long, athletic, kind of unpolished, but super athletic, super aggressive. Uh, came from nothing, so. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what he what he can do and what the Bucks will do with him. Hopefully a good compliment to Giannis and get some... Some more good games under their belt and take another shot at it next year. Like, Yeah, I mean, with the comps to Giannis and then having Giannis there to teach him how to play with that body style, I guess that's a you can't ask for much more than that. So. No, that's a positive, yeah. You know, my son was excited there. Uh, he saw an advertisement on Disney Plus. They have a some series called Rise, and they're highlighting the Bucks this month. Mm. So they have Giannis and some of the other guys from... The championship run two years ago, or well, last year, I should say. Yep. <clears throat> Not this year. So 
could be interesting to see where where things head for this next year. Speaking of basketball and draft picks, I got to say, I saw the Adam Sandler movie that's big on Netflix right now. Oh, Hustle? Hustle. Very good. I was very impressed. It had some uncut gems feel to it. Okay. It was very, yeah. I have not seen it yet, but I've heard good things. This new Adam Sandler, he's... He's still very funny, but it's different. Right, it's kind of a mix of the comedy drama type thing. I also watched Happy Gilmore this weekend, so like I did, <laughs> I did go back to my roots. But um, yeah, no, hustle is hustle is good. I uh, I'd recommend it. Go to your home. Yeah, this is yep. not your home. Yep, is you good. too good for your home? <laughs> oh yeah, Happy, good old Happy Gilmore. All right, are you ready to? talk some crops yeah absolutely let's get into this all right so crop progress report came out on monday i believe yeah right 27th so the reason this kind of got ended up in the show this week is that uh i got a lot of calls about the markets kind of tanking here we know we're talking 40 cent drops and yep they asked me why and i said well i mean number one would have to be the crop progress report being decent um or at least on par because uh, I don't think a lot of people thought that a month ago. No, I I think nobody quite knew what expected with all the weird weather we've had all spring long, you know, hot, cold, real kind of ups and downs, floods, hail in some areas. You, you would think, just from all the stuff you you hear about, you see on Twitter, that the crap report would have been way different than, than what it actually was. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of why we why I thought it would be a good time to hit on this. Just it was a good it was a good question. You know, I think corn went down forty cents, beans went down like thirty two, and wheat went down like eighty cents or something. It was crazy. Yeah, no, there was. It's still the prices still aren't terrible. No, they're still good, but but, and wheat wheat makes a little more sense because they are harvesting right now. Yeah, I mean they're working their way through the grain belt, so we're starting to get some real numbers as to you know, how bad it really is or how good it really is. And so that I always expect when I start seeing the, the combine train that wheat's going to kind of either go up or down, it's going to do something. So, yeah, but even that, the futures, it was still, I don't think it dropped below nine at all. So no. we're still well above <laughs> what, we, yeah, what we, we normally would expect like for wheat. Two, 280 for wheat. Like that's kind of a normal, like, oh, we're doing pretty good this year. We're going to get three bucks. Yeah. If we hit four, it's like, woo, celebrate. So yeah. still at nine, I think, think we'll be all right. Yeah. No, we we definitely, like you said before, everything dropped this week a little bit, but it's still in a pretty good spot that we're not, we're not doing $12 milk and $2 corn, put it that way. All right. So I guess we could start looking at corn. So corn... At 4% silking, which is normal for the five-year average, um, there's more good corn than excellent corn. But overall, it's, you know, percentages-wise, it doesn't look all that different. But I think it's the categories change slightly from, from year to year and from last year to this year. I would say that that five-year average would include 2018 and 2019. So I don't know... Those averages to me would be skewed a little bit, right? When you're only looking back five years, they're somewhat yeah. negative. Um, I would say, you know, you start taking out eighteen and nineteen. I bet you that four percent silking as of June twenty sixth probably goes up to f- six or seven percent. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had a lot of we had tasseled corn in Wisconsin last year as of today, right? That I tasseled corn that I saw with my own two eyes as of today. So 
Yeah, we just we had that early heat last year that you know even in spite of having a late frost, uh, we still had some pretty good progress in the corn. Now this year it's you know we're knee high by the Fourth of July for sure on almost all of all yep. the corn, some thigh high, you know, but. There's also some corn that's not quite there yet because it was late planted or, you know, first crop came a little bit later for some guys because the weather windows or... We got tied up on uh, triticale harvest in a couple places. Yep. Um, that was... If you got... There was like a two-day window there where if you were willing to push it and get it off, you, you did it. And if you didn't, it got pretty nasty pretty quick. Yeah. And rye this year, you know, compared to last year, I think we rye was ready before first crop or at least at the same time last year whereas this year i know a lot of guys were harvesting on the tail end of first crop rather than having it almost be yeah. ready at the same time yep yeah so i guess i would say that i thought we were pretty close to average just the stuff we're in um like you say a couple small scenarios where you know it's not quite there but for the most part i felt like our corn is average maybe slightly it's below it's maybe slightly behind last year's corn but still average i would say across the board um and then the the good to excellent i mean we're we have a three we're three percent higher than the average which as i mentioned before all oh, just that's higher than last year we're three percent more good to excellent corn than last year so yeah and i i mean i can't complain you know, a lot of side dressing's been going on the last week or two here, and um, color-wise, a lot of stuff looking really nice right now. In the last week, we've, uh, we've I've made that comment quite a bit already this week. In the last week, we've made leaps in the right direction. I mean, it's really yeah. shown. Um, even just driving by, you don't even have to get in the field, and you can tell like we made some pretty big jumps. Yeah, and that if we didn't have that hot week last week, I don't know that we would be saying such nice things about our corn you know it caught a lot of stuff up and kind of pushed the pushed it to be where we wanted it to be a little bit more so yeah so we got a map here it's red and blue red is a below average blue is above average it's got basically all the states on there um i see wisconsin is blue as an above average corn crop this year and i don't i guess there's less not planted area I guess would be how I would look at it because I would say we're slightly below average just because we do have some of those areas that are behind. But it says we're above average right now, so we'll see. I know we had some pretty good drought going late last week, a little bit of rain over the weekend, but it's not going to take very much for some of those areas to be right back where where they started. It was pretty pretty hot, pretty dry there for a while. No, we got a little bit of rain last night, in this at least around here. Uh, and, I mean, it w- it was needed. Even lawns were starting to look like they were yeah, going middle, dormant. Middle and, of August, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in spite of the, the rains, you know, we've had fairly consistent rains week to week. I mean, we've gone some stretches, but not like last year where we had almost a month stretch of no rain. It was a sad one farm. I think it was 42 days without any rain. Yeah. Without and, measurable rain. <clears throat> and this year we, we've had more consistent rains, but it's still with the heat kind of dries things out and so we need that moisture i i this morning just driving driving here to record the little bit of corn fields i get to go past they're noticeably greener brighter everything looks yeah. a lot better this morning than it did yesterday and it looked okay yesterday it just you could tell when it's that off color when it's getting dry um even before it 
you know, does its little pineapple routine, you can tell it's it's starting to get dry. So yeah, um, timely rain, really timely rain there. Keep keep on this above average path. Keep us keep us going down that path. That'd be great. Great. Yeah, if we can keep getting a little bit of rain every week. As long as it's not like eight inches in an hour, we're, we'll be good. Yeah, that eight inches <laughs> in an hour thing we had a couple weeks ago really messed some things up. Really messed some things up. So, all right, so let's get into soybeans. Yep. So, they, and I will say for our area at least, um, really took that same kind of good leap this week. Um, you know, they were, they seemed slow out of the gate, weren't getting a lot of height to them, and now finally the last, you know, a couple of days here walking some soybean fields. I've been happy with what I'm seeing. And I would have said our our soybean crop last week was very poor. Yeah. I was very disappointed. And this week, everything I've been in has been leaps and bounds in front of where it was. So I'd have to agree. We really, really cleaned some things up now. A um, little bit of heat, a little bit of rain, do all that good stuff. So it says we're at 98% planted compared with 97% for the previous five-year average. So the double crop stuff, I'm assuming, is what. Yeah, that that tail end couple percent is is looking at. Well, and then we're with our normal emergence, we're at 91 percent, which is right on par with the five year average. So even though we're one percent behind planted, we got all the all the same numbers emerged. So um, and then it said seven percent are uh, blooming or flowering compared to 11 percent for the previous five year average. Uh, I don't. Are you seeing much for flowers yet? I have not seen much for flowers yet. No. Yeah. So, I know the old the old adage is uh, flowers on the solstice. So that's always been what I always was told. Yep. Flowers on the solstice. So that was last week, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we been... we don't have flowers yet, but we're very close. We're very very close. So. Yeah, and really, <clears throat> you know, looking at the. The report here, 65% good to excellent, which is uh, previous year's average was 60%. So we're we're above, which, again, until this week would have surprised me to say that because, you know, like you said, the stuff we've been seeing just didn't didn't meet expectations until this week. So, um, you know, and, and the 8% poor to very poor compared to 9%. So soybeans looking, at least according to this, statewide or uh, multi-state average looking better than last year but um, still ways to go on on that so it'll be interesting to see how this carries through into the next crop report so yeah so we they do do these every week Um, we could just put this this could be our topic every week but obviously (laughs) it's not that would be pretty boring but we're at a point now um, where we're kind of slowing down as far as making decisions so it's good to see where we're at, I guess. So we side dress basically. We've pulled the trigger on side dress all across, you know, our area. Um, we've sprayed beans for a second time, or have ordered bean spray for the second time. Corn is canopying almost everywhere, so we're kind of done making those decisions. So it was a good time to kind of just see where we're at, see how our decisions have played out so far this year, because this is a large scale, large scale view of hey, here's here's how we've done so far. Uh, we're above average, so I guess so far so good. Yeah, and like you said, we're kind of at the tail end. Um, we're not completely away from spraying on everything yet, but we're pretty close. And you know, that's that's kind of a nice feeling. I'm going to do air quotes here. You know, things start to slow down in yeah. July. Um, they don't, yeah, they fall, don't really. But, I fall for that every year. Yeah, 
I we spray I spray like the last field of beans that I know we get we're gonna do, and I'm always like, ah, uh, now I can breathe, and <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. No, there's still plenty to do, but uh, <laughs> but as far as options, you know, we're we kind of have to live with anything, you know, coming up here as as corn gets a little bit too tall for things to get sprayed on it, uh, and beans will be in that same boat. You know, we're, once you start getting the flowers, there's not much we wanna really hit it with unless we're gonna do some fungicide potentially. Yeah, we, 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 that whole slowdown thing, we forget about how we're going to do fungicide on beans and fungicide on corn, and we're going to harvest wheat. And then it, before you know it, we're taking silage samples and we're sweeping for leaf hopper. I mean, it doesn't really slow down. Yeah. Because yep. now we're in leaf hopper season. Four to five, some guys maybe even pushing six crops a hay a year. There's always something to do. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, we got one more crop here. Or there's a couple more things included in the crop report. Uh, wheat. So this is spring wheat emerged 98% compared with 99 for the previous five-year average. Um, at this point, 8% headed to 34% five-year average. Um, that's spring wheat, so we don't really deal with that much. The winter wheat crop is 95% headed compared to the 98% five-year average. Uh, winter wheat is 30% good to excellent, 43% poor, very poor. Oof. This compares to the five-year average of 48% good to excellent, 21% poor, very poor. I would say that Wisconsin does not have a whole lot in that 43% of poor to very poor. I think that's other places. Yeah, no, I, I've been real happy with the wheat I've seen around here. Um, it's just, you know, I haven't seen any real poor stands. I mean, they may not be as thick as we want them everywhere, but they're still... There's, I haven't seen a stand this year where it's like, ah, oh, we had to make that decision of like, are we going to keep it or not? You know, it was most of it was keepable right from the start. Most most years, most years, our wheat crop to me falls into that forty three percent of poor, very poor. Um, last year and this year, it's been very nice. We're not we're not fighting that. Ah, well, do we really want to make sixty bushel wheat? For the most part, we've been been really happy and doing some pretty good stuff there. So, well, and. <clears throat> Funny enough, Wisconsin really isn't even considered in the wheat category. We're not one of the selected states, so they do these 18 state groups, and Wisconsin's not even one when it comes to winter wheat. Yeah. um, Our production level's pretty low. Right. Pretty low. But something we do produce a lot of, I I would say we're close to number one, is oats. And as of June 26th, 54% of oats headed compared to 68% for the previous five-year average. 58% good to excellent, 22% poor, very poor. The previous year average was 37% good to excellent, 26% poor to very poor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk this up, the good to excellent, in the fact that we had a cooler, cooler spring, and so those oats didn't get stressed as early as they usually do. Um, yeah, no, we had, as far as that goes, you know, for cool season crops, we had a nice, nice spring, and um, we didn't really... Have, we had, I think, one or two 90-degree days early, but really, for the most part, it was uh, cooler than, than we would expect for this time of year. A lot of time. days a lot of days where we said the corn isn't happy, but if your oats are a duck, you're loving it. And that was kind of yeah. what we saw. I mean, that's what the crop report, according to the crop report, that's, that was pretty accurate. Now, looking at oat condition, um, specifically for Wisconsin... It is eighty three percent in good to excellent condition. So we are we are ahead of the curve for the most part. The only place uh, that's maybe a little bit ahead of us is 
Uh, no, they're just behind us. Iowa, they are at 81%. Good to excellent. So, um, yeah, good good year for oats, especially here in Wisconsin. So. Yep. And then the last, the last thing included on the crops report is the topsoil report, which I find very interesting. Uh, it's always, I think it's interesting to always read it just because it, you know, you don't realize how wet or dry other portions of the country are. Mm-hmm. Uh, nationwide topsoil moisture is rated at 53% adequate and 4% surplus. The previous year we were at 51% adequate and 8% surplus. So more drought, I would say is part of the deal here. Yep. There's, there's, there's pretty good sections of our country right now that are in a drought. Um, even, you know, Southern parts of Wisconsin here. Um, but overall we were talking, you know, we were talking before, like we needed a little drink here and we got it and we're in pretty good shape right now. So, um, really, really good. I know there's parts of, there's parts of Wisconsin that maybe got a little too much a couple weeks ago and that's still got surplus moisture, but I would say for the most part, we're in, we're in a pretty good place. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely worse places. Um, Texas in particular has got the, uh, Some of the ugliest looking drought monitor sections to it. Uh, I know I've been seeing on Twitter some pretty low yields for wheat in Texas, even on irrigated stuff. Thirty-two um, percent of Texas's corn crop is good to excellent, so that's well below the average <clears throat> across the nation. So they're they're having a rough time down there. Uh, it seems like when it comes to a lot of things. Cotton as well, you know, that's something we grow around here, but their cotton crop is on the lower end. Um, and it seems like when they get rain, they get hail, which is never good for yep. crops. So, yeah, I'm looking at the looking at the drought monitor here, and you know, Texas, Texas up all the way over to California and all the way up to Idaho. I mean, it's pretty dry, it's pretty dry. So, we'll see. See what happens there. It's not gonna. I don't think they're gonna see any relief anytime soon. And they're starting to harvest corn down there. So I guess now at this point, you probably don't want rain. <laughs> if you're Texas, right? I, yeah, now it's gonna be more of a hindrance than anything, right? So anyway, all right. So there you go. There's a look at where crop progress is in the nation and here in Wisconsin. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So, In the Silo, a Hulu film sheds light on the dangers of grain bin entrapment. So it's not very often that you see movies made about rural America, least of all a film that showcases the dangers of farming. So it's not all fields of dreams. Uh, So in this case, they are taking a look at grain bin entrapment, something that I think every farmer and Everyone in agriculture knows is a, a big deal. You know, we've talked about it for years. Fire departments have raised money and, and gotten the uh, the shoots for rescuing people out of grain bins. We, we talked on the podcast about the development of that grain bin robot where it goes kind of dives through. The grain weevil. Yep, goes through the grain so you don't have to. Um, but now we've got a movie kind of highlighting things to this along the same line. And it's funny because it's, it's a director, uh, Sam Goldberg, who's a New York City boy. And he is kind of producing this film about 
grain bins. And so he first saw it in the news, a guy in Mount Carroll, Illinois, and thought, wow, you know, this is something kind of important. I should see what we can do about it. And so this silo movie came about, and according to him, it takes place over the course of 24 hours on a small grain farm in the Corn Belt. It follows an 18-year-old farmhand working before harvest, and he ends up getting trapped in a grain bin, and then they show the the race against time to try to get him out. And just for the record, 24 hours is a really long time. Yeah. Because I think most of the time, if you're stuck in a grain bin, you got an hour or two, and you're going to be in trouble. So. Um, even though it is called silo, and they are def- referring to grain bins, they, they do understand the irony there. Uh, it says silo has a double meaning. It's a movie that is really about people who are siloed from each other, even though they're living in... Cr- close proximity and people should have close bond but they're not communicating well and that's why the accident happens so it's interesting uh just as a reminder from 2019 purdue university egg self safety and health program uh before you go into a grain bin they suggest harness up Phone a friend, call somebody, tell them you're going to be in there, and tell them if they don't hear back from you in like 20 minutes to come check on you. By lockout, tagout, make sure augers aren't going to kick on while you're in there. And uh, there is the Grain Handling Safety Coalition, which offers grain handling information, training, and certifications. Uh, I just got to throw this one out there. I saw Grandpa lost his part of his finger. The old didn't have the old lockout tag, and somebody turned it on while he has hands in it, and that was yep. that was the end of that finger. So every old farmer can tell you a story, and a lot of them end the same way, <laughs> right? Whether it's corn picker, grain auger, you know, there, there's some some dangerous equipment on the farm, so it's always good to try to hay to elevator. Be safe. That was the one I always yep. thought that thing yep. would be nasty on a hand. Uh, I don't see a release date here for the film, but. Uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing when that comes out. Let's see here if I can find it. Give me one second here. Just because I'm interested. I'm excited to see it when it comes out. Um, do, do, oh, man, we're struggling. Do, 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 do. Let's see here. Go to Hulu's do, website. Do, 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 do. This makes it seem like it's on there already. Oh, yeah, this is... It says 2019, but it just got added to Hulu. Okay. Maybe. So it must have been like an independent film. Yeah. No, I see that. All right. Anyway. Well, there you go. I mean, this article is from this week, but apparently the movie came out three years ago. They just so. didn't have anywhere to play the movie, it sounds like. Yeah. So they put it on. It's on, it's on Hulu now. So. so there you go. You can check it out if you would like to. All right, with that, we'll move into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love that banjo. All right, today we're talking the silo. And Fred Hatch, a farmer from Illinois, built what is believed to be America's first variation of the modern silo in 1873 after trying to figure out how to store excuse me, grain at his family farm while also combating grain spoilage. 
Within the next several years, silos popped up in other parts of the county or country. Though many were skeptical of the idea, some early silos were horizontal with squared corners called pit silos. They were either partially or entirely dug into the ground, then lined with rocks or straw. And that would absorb any ground moisture. However, the square shape started to bow and allowed air pockets to form in corners, conditions that led to rampant grain rot. This led to the evolution of the rounded silo we know today. Early silos consisted of brick, wood, and cement. Not quite as cost-efficient as the durable or durable, as steel silos you see now, there were even more dangerous, or uh, they were also more dangerous than the average grain storage facility of today's farms. Farmers had to climb inside and perform intense labor to pitch grains until the invention of the automatic unloader in the 1940s. So there you go. That's why we have round silos, not square silos. And yeah, I, I know a few guys who've had to, when the unloader breaks, pitch feed and that's not a terrible job job. silo gas also big part of the danger of silos so the least amount of time you can spend in a silo the better yep but still there is a good storage unit for feed all right if you like what you're hearing uh we ask that you please subscribe to the podcast Tell a farmer friend, you know, if you know somebody who you think would be interested, but they're not really big on listening to podcasts, you introduce them to the idea of um, the podcasts, show them how easy it is on their phone. So if you want to help them find a place to listen on their phone, if they're Apple phone, uh, Apple podcast, or Android, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Player FM, or ones we like to use, you just search Tilth Talk Radio. Uh, if you want to listen on your computer or smartphone browser, you can go to tilthag.com backslash podcasts. We're also available on Amazon Music, so you can set it up on the app and just tell your smart speaker to play your podcasts that you subscribe to and listen to Tilth Talk Radio there. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Now we're going to wrap things up here with some cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. It's less effective with just two of us. Yeah, that was only three beans in there. (laughs) We need more beans. Yep. All right. So our cool beans this week. The U.S. is looking to create Pollinator Conservation Center. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will establish the Pollination or Pollinator Conservation Center, focusing on the decline of the pollinating species, including the monarch butterfly. The Interior Department also announced a $1 million award to the Monarch Butterfly and Pollinator Conservation Fund at the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation for work that includes increasing the availability of high-quality habitat. So pollinator strips and pollinator areas, nothing new in agriculture. There's funding there um, if you're interested in putting one on your farm. But in particular, they're looking at handling things with the monarch butterfly as they are qualified for being listed as a threatened or endangered species, but they are on a waiting list because there are higher priority cases. I, I just think this is a good thing. Uh, we, have a, we have a seed bank that's made for saving seeds, so if there's ever a disaster, we really get down, we can, we can do something with it. Um, I think this 
Pollinator Conservancy is going to kind of end up being the same thing for us. If we really get down or really start getting short, we're going to have somewhere, we're going to have a well to go to at least and try and fix some things. So, Well, and we talk about good pollination in corn and, and other things. Um, having pollinators around is, is a good thing. Anyway, we can get not only our field crops pollinated, but other plants and gardens and everything else. Um, pollinators play an important part. You know, they're a beneficial species that we want to keep around for the benefits that they provide. So, um, you know, populations have been declining of certain ones, and it's good to have a plan to try to help promote more pollinators. All right, and our that's corny this week. Fertilizer production could see another negative impact. Oh, yeah, great. Well, awesome. Just as prices started to come down. Feels like a broken record. You always got to have some reason to go back up, right? It's uh, uncanny. I mean, <laughs> literally prices started coming down last week and now, oh, but here we go. It, it's going to go back up. Uh, so slowing delivery of Russian natural gas in Europe. I'm starting to reach industrial supply chain. Dwindling gas supplies are proving a threat to chemical giant BASF's vast manufacturing hub in Germany according to the Wall Street Journal. So raising alarms at the world's largest integrated chemical complex and beyond. So because BASF and other chemical companies are at the beginning of the supply chain, disruption in operations would reverberate throughout the egg sector. Uh, experts say it would th- threaten not only Europe's economy, but uh, it could also have impacts uh, to global economies as well. I mean, if fertilizer goes back up again, that's not going to be very good for us. No. Uh, you know, we like you said, they just kind of got down there. We've had a few guys finding some deals uh, that waited out until side dress time. But, um, you know, you hope by fall you guys can book and, and have some decent prices yet. Yep. So hopefully hopefully things get managed and they'll they'll have a good uh, good amount to last through harvest at least. I'd really thrown in the towel on getting something good for this year. My hope was that this fall we could book for next year at a better price and yeah. have something to look forward to, but this is definite this is kind of bad news for that hope. So Yeah, no, yeah, you, you hate to see it. Um but it's like we said before, it seems like par for the course lately of there's always something you know, just just the, you start to see the light then something else falls in the way and that supply chain's been tricky. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, Max. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, This week we talked about the crop progress report, so where we are, corn, soybeans, small grains. In our spotlight, we looked at a film on Hulu that sheds light on the dangers of grain bin entrapment. In our Ag History Minute, we talked about the history of the silo and a little bit why they're round as opposed to other shapes. In our Cool Beans, we had... In the U.S. creating a pollinator conservation center. And that's corny is potential supply chain issues due to Russian gas shortages. And that, of course, is tied to the fighting in Ukraine. So, always something. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.